Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and is all in, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. secondary things become primary things. And he's talking about how people have taken things of this world and put them higher so that they can attain something right before that. So maybe it's kind of like this. So they're wanting a spiritual life. They're wanting a life of fulfillment. They're wanting a life that they deem as uh, uh, whole for themselves in Colossae and Laodicea. So if I tell you I'm going to make an, an Italian dinner and I say I'm going to take um, rice noodles and I'm going to get chicken fat and then some flour and I'm going to make some white gravy. Um, you guys know what white gravy is or is that only an American thing? Yeah, yeah, good. Just checking. 
If you've never had it, I'll make it for you someday. You'll, you'll want it. And, and then you um, uh, go and you get kangaroo and you um, sizzle it up. And you put the rice noodles and the chicken gravy and the kangaroo and then you throw some Parmesan cheese on it and you say, that's Italian. Is that Italian? No. Parmesan cheese, but one thing doesn't just make it Italian. Right? It, it, it's actually taking all of the things. It, it's getting really homemade. It's asking Maria to come and cook for you. It's, <laughs> it's having real pasta. It's having a long cooked sauce. It's, it, it's actually, and depending on where you're at in Italy, right? Because some parts of Italy are different than other parts of Italy. Some places have more seafood, some places have more chicken, and some places, it just depends. The thing is, is what, what the Colossians are trying to do is go, I, I'm going to take this little bit, and I'm going to throw it on and say, now I am. And Paul then leaves that space, and he enters into this part of the letter to them. And he says to them these amazing words. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul's saying, don't just take a little bit of what I'm saying and throw it on and think that you've got it. Understand that what I'm calling you to, what I'm saying is being in Christ, is to be dead to everything that you were and to be reborn into the thing that I have always wanted you to be. That I'm going to move you from the place of death to life. That I'm going to take you and completely transform all of who you are to the thing that before the foundation of the world I created you to be. The person that I've longed for you to be. The one that you are designed to be in Christ. He, he, he wants to be forceful here. And, and he puts it in two ways. He says, don't put your heart Put your heart on these things that are above and put your mind on the things that are above. He wants us to know that it's going to take every bit of who we are in Christ to recognize who we are in Christ. That it's our emotions and it's our sense mentally. That yes, it's having the right things to think about, but it is also having the right love in our hearts to grow in. He wants us to recognize that we are going in a trajectory, a change that is going to leave everything that we knew before behind and bring us to brand new life. So that, this is the amazing thing, when Christ appears, we will know him because we've been dwelling on him and So because of that, he says, then put to death those things that you used to be. The, the, the title of this sermon is Once Was But Now Are. 
You once were these things, but now you are something different. And it's just not by sprinkling a little bit of this. It's going whole hog, as we say when we see a great meal. Going all in. So what does that look like? Well, he tells us to put aside things, right? To put to death certain things that we were in, these earthly things, not these things that were above where Christ Jesus is, but these things that are below, these earthly, fleshly things we put to death, such as sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, and idolatry. And then he says, you also used to walk in these things, but now you are not. So also put to death this, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and now put on the new self in the knowledge of who Christ is. There's this little phrase there, you might have noticed that I skipped it. Let me go back to it. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Let me step into that. Now, when we hear the term, the wrath of God, if you're like me, you will default to what it looks like the last time you had wrath. There are moments in our lives, let's just be honest with ourselves, where something has ticked us off so much I'm not asking for confession. I'm not asking you to tell me that it's the fact that somebody pulled in front of you while you were driving or is that your kids spilled something. But something has happened. And for whatever reason it is, your heart, your mind, your physical body has become so aggravated and angry. You have looked at them and said, you don't respect my position. You would never do that if you knew who I was. And our hearts become filled with anger. And we look at it, and it's not directed at the action. It's directed at the person. So let me say, when we hear this term, the wrath of God, oftentimes our mind and our heart goes to that. Why? Because we experientially have had wrath. We experientially have done that. And so it's a good default. It's normal. But what we see here when we're talking about wrath, because recognize this, in the rest of this letter, how does Paul let us know that we see God most completely? Just as a reminder, we see God most completely in Christ. What we see is that Christ, as he engages in the brokenness of the world, it is not his anger or wrath that goes towards the person, but in fact it is his anger or his wrath, his frustration that goes towards the brokenness that is putting those people into bondage. So because of these things, God's wrath is being revealed, not because he is looking out and saying, I'm, I should be done with you. You don't respect me. You don't know who I am. 
but because he's going, I long for you to know that this puts you into bondage and I cannot stand that that is grabbing hold of your heart and you're missing the steadfast love that I have for you. Because in Christ, when we see God moving in that direction, we see him wanting to repair that brokenness. Not punish that brokenness. He's not looking, saying, look at me and see who I am. He's saying, I see who you are and the bondage that you are in. I want to bring relief to you. Now, don't get me wrong. That rat is scary because it is not going to faith. God can't stand the things that put us in bondage. So much so that he came as Christ to put it to death. When God's wrath towards those things are most fully seen as when he self-sacrifices on the cross. So when we see that term, I would hope that we would be able to go, and not in some platitudinal way that sometimes gets tossed around, well, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. No. God said, I'm so angry, wrathful, righteous anger at the things that are putting you in bondage that I will so that you can be released and moved into new life. That's why we're able to go back up to the top where he says, you are dead to this now. And we are dead how? Because we are in Christ. So has died and rose again. Now, lest we get pedantic and get checkmarky at these things and we go, well, I don't have malice and slander. I certainly have anger. I, I don't have obscene talk that comes out of my mouth, but sometimes I'm a liar. I definitely have idolatry, and mm, I like that new car, so probably covetousness. Oh, yeah, and I'm pretty passionate, and sometimes have impure thoughts. I mean, we, we could go through that and go, yep, tick, 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 tick. I want you to recognize, though, that in this place, while, while there are definitely ways that God calls us to live, and, and those ways are how he designed before the foundation of the world, that bring him glory and give us fulfillment. And not the fulfillment where we're like, I'm all that I can be. But the fulfillment that says, you are holy and mighty. And I am in a worshipful, loving relationship with you. And because of that, I can live my life towards other differently. What we see here is that most of these things, if not all of them, spring from a heart that says, I'm better. I'm more worthy. I deserve what I want. And he says, put to death that attitude. Put to death those things because they lead to destruction. So much so, he wants to make it clear. He says this. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of the creator. Here, there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ in all, and Christ is all. How amazing is this? He wants to make it clear there is nothing that you once were because you now are. 
So those things that you think might keep God from coming to you in his love because you have this notion that he must be really mad at me for this, put those aside because you once were those, but now you are this in Christ Jesus. Those important things that you hold on to that make you identify for who you are, whether you're Greek or slave or Jew, put them aside because they're secondary. Tim Keller puts it this way. When we take good things and make them ultimate things, they become our idols. Sexual immorality is taking a good thing and making it the ultimate thing. So it becomes our idol. Because sex in the way that God designed it is good. Passion and desire and longing are good things. But when they become the ultimate things, our speech that God has given us is a good thing, but when it becomes the ultimate thing, how can I be the quickest? How can I be the sharpest? How can I put down people so that I don't get hurt? He says, you are no longer that way. You once were, but now you are. And then he pushes us a little bit further. He says it's not just about letting go of those things and putting to death those things. It's now about putting on something. As God's chosen and holy and beloved people put on these things. Compassionate hearts, humility, kindness, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since you are members of the body and called to peace. You once were this, but now you will look like this. And where does that spring from? It springs from Christ. We are God's holy chosen people in Christ. And so Christ walked on this earth, showing us most fully who God was by being one who loved and had compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. He was the one who bared with all those who were around him. Now, he didn't stop to call out places where their hearts were crooked. He, he didn't stop and say, I, I want you to understand that you're not walking in the direction that God has made you to walk. But he didn't do it in a way that brings condemnation. For the Son did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now, again, we can sometimes look at this and go, I'm doing pretty good here, I'm doing pretty good here, I'm not good here, i got to work on this. So here's something for us to remember of this once were but now are is there's two things. One, it's aspirational. Right? I'm going to fall backwards, and I'm going to walk forwards. And so when I read this passage, I definitely have the tendency and the ability to go, not doing so well there, doing better here. I want to move in the direction of becoming more like Christ. I want to walk in my new life. I want to put on those new clothes. Right? I, I want to take off this ratted, tattered, jacket of my old life and I want to put on this beautiful new jacket of God's righteousness. 
right? So it's aspirational. But the second thing we recognize in this, if we look up at the beginning, is that it's actual. That when God sees us, he sees us in Christ. That when God gets a view of who we are, he sees us through the lens of Christ and the work that he's done. It's almost as if um, God has designed this beautiful cloak of righteousness for us that he has put on top of us so that when he sees us, he sees that and that alone. But here's the beautiful part. He doesn't leave us alone in that. You know the story of the emperor's new clothes, right? Where there was an emperor and he wanted some fancy new robes and there were some charlatan con artists who said they had magic thread. And we're going to build this new outfit for you, oh great mighty emperor. And so they did that. And so the emperor, not wanting to appear stupid or false or, or uh, uh, think that people would think less of him, are like, oh, that's a beautiful robe that you're making. And they're doing absolutely nothing. They're just taking this invisible thread that no one can see, but is so beautiful that when it gets all put together and put on him, everyone will see it. And, and they just make this robe for him, right? He keeps paying them and paying them. And he finally puts on the robe, right? They fit him out. Can you imagine that? He puts it on. And he decides to have a great parade through the streets. And he begins to walk through the streets. Now, if you're like my parents, you said that he was in his underwear or skivvies. Other parents might have said he had nothing on. Which would have made it even more shocking. And finally, a little boy or a little girl out in the crowd calls out, Where are your clothes? The emperor has no clothes. Well, luckily, we don't walk around in our skippies. But we go and get the old jacket and the old pants and put them on. The once worse. And we think that's what we need. But Paul here says we got each other to cry out. You got the wrong clothes on. You got the wrong things on. He, he says it this way. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That he has combined us together so we are not alone. So that we can look at one another in the deepness of God's word. This word and the word of God who is Christ. And reveal to one another and say, let me show you this mirror. Do you see what you have put on? And hopefully if somebody does that to you, you have the right and the ability to say, let me hold up the mirror to you, brother. <laughs> Do you see what you've put on? Not so that we can condemn one another, remember, but so that we can remember that we have already put on the righteousness cloak of Jesus. And so we put it on so that we can walk in this new life that God has given to us. And it causes us to move in a way that whatever we do then, in word and deed, is done in Jesus Christ so that we can give thanks to the Father who saved us. I think a good example for how this affects us sometimes in our life is this. I recently um, had the uh, invitation to go to a party that required me to be more dressed up than I normally am. 
And, and so when I first read the announcement, I thought the, the invitation, um, I read it as though I needed to have a, a tuxedo. And so I looked at a couple of different shops to find a tuxedo, and I found one that I really, really liked, um, but I couldn't fit into it, so I was going to have to go for a second one. And the thing about it was, is I would go, and I, I got fitted, and I gave them my deposits, right? And I was going to go pick it up on a Thursday, and then I would wear it to the party, and then I would take it back on the Monday. Later on, I discovered I wasn't going to have to wear a tuxedo. Not ever, not that, that, it wasn't that fancy. And I then went and looked at my closet, and I have this, I have sort of a, a suit, but when I went to put that on because of, um, well, let's just blame it on COVID. It didn't fit anymore. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, I'll just go, I'll just, I'll just get the tux because I know it fits and I'll wear different shirts and not the bow tie. So it'd be the tux kind of pant and the suit, right? And my wife lovingly looked at me and said, no, no. You, you've got other things to do. You, you've got other opportunities that are coming up for a suit. There, there are things that are happening this year that it will be beneficial. And I was saying, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to work hard. Uh, and COVID's not around in the WA anymore. And so I'm not going to be as tempted. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard. And I might be able to get into that sort of suit that I have um, by the time those other things happen. Right, so I'll just borrow this and I'll, because by my own work and efforts and staying away from uh, Little Loaf Bakery and Cinnamon Rolls, I, I will be able to kind of get myself, right, right, to put on that other suit. And my wife looked very lovingly and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so, so I went to a, a local shop and, and I tried some things on and there were some embarrassing moments there where I was like, we just need something larger. But, but I walked out with a suit. It's a blue suit. I've always wanted a blue suit. And it's my suit. I have to take it back on Tuesday. I, I, I get to wear it whenever. And if I do slender down, like, please, yes, as I slender down, to be aspirational and actual, as I do slender down, then I can get taken in. Maybe I'll get into the newer suit. The fact is, is I don't have to return it. It's fine. You once were. But now you Let the old things die. And walk in the newness of what you are. And it cannot be Christ is the one who has done it. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good, and all you do is good. We worship you, and we give you glory and honor and praise. Let us hold on to what you have done, and how you have moved us from darkness to light, how you've taken us from being dead to being alive in you, and how there are these things that, that can bring us bondage, and you hate them, and so we hate them. But you've never forsaken us. And your steadfast love pursues. And it preserves. And it protects us. 
as we walk in Christ. Thank you for giving us each other to remind us that we are clothed in 